most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. Bats. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon. I'll be joined by my dude, Sean Kerner, to break down the NFC South. Uh, we're going division by division. Uh, before we jump into the pod with Sean, just wanted to let you guys know that you can now win uh, a free action pro account for one year. Uh, all you got to do is rate and review the podcast because we'll be calling out our favorite five-star reviews right here on the show. Every reviewer that we call out on the show will receive a free action pro account for one whole year. So be sure to leave those awesome Apple podcast reviews and keep listening to hear us shout you out on the upcoming pods. Sean, what's going on, man? What's up? I uh, just want to give a shout out to my baby brother, Brian, who turns 30 this week. So uh, happy birthday, old man. <laughs> Shouts to Brian. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, yeah. Hope you guys had fun this past weekend. Thank you. You too. Uh, you had a good weekend? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a good weekend. My betting heater finally cooled off. Though, oh, so. no. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been trying to been trying to chill though and not like just make too many bets because I know I'm gonna go like over. Um, I mean, you were but... due for a slight <laughs> correction. I mean, nobody can maintain yeah the percentage you had. So don't back off. Keep firing, man. Yeah. I mean, hey, I don't know. One and four, right? I might it's, <laughs> uh, it's tough. I'll, I've been there. No, it's tough, but we, we need you. So keep uh keep giving <laughs> us those uh, NBA plays. Uh, I mean, I'll do that, but right now it's all about the NFC South. So Let's talk fantasy. We're going to go through each team, all the fantasy relevant players. Uh, We have a few episodes out already where we're breaking down the AFC West, NFC West, uh, AFC South as well. Uh, So check those out. But uh, let's jump right in here with the Bucks and Mike. Actually, let's start with Tom Brady. Let's not start with Mike Evans. Uh, Both very consistent players, obviously. But I guess what are your thoughts on Brady here? He's going usually around the QB 12 range which seems like every year that he's been on the Bucks, he's going in that <laughs> low end QB one range. And then he outperforms it. He was QB seven uh, two years ago. He was QB two last year. Um, he is going to turn 45. He may not have Godwin for a full year. Does not have Antonio Brown and Gronk. They think he's going to be back, but it's not like a hundred percent certainty. So how are you kind of adding that all up to rank Brady uh, for this year? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously last year I was all about Brady. I was calling for him to potentially break records. I was channeling Peyton Manning's uh, year two in Denver uh, to make that comparison. So, you know, he did, he improved last year in terms of yardage. He threw for 5,300 yards as opposed to 4,600 his first season. Um, And he threw for 43 touchdowns, but I think last year was going to be peak. Tampa Bay Brady. I mean, you already mentioned he had Antonio Brown. Um, you know, he, Chris Godwin did get hurt. So, you know, that that did sting Brady a little bit. Gronk was in and out of the lineup, but he did have all the pieces there. Uh, but this year he's turning a year older. He's turning 45. He's going to have to slow down at some point. 
I would hate to make the Peyton Manning comparison again, but you know, that would be a couple of years. You could fall apart completely. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I always have to bet on Brady. So I have him as my QB seven, but like you said, his ADP finally caught it up. So he's being drafted right around QB seven. So that sounds about right. Obviously he has a super high floor, but uh, I just think last year was probably his ceiling. So you just can't really expect that level of production again this year. Uh, but in that range, I, I think I'm still going to have to go with Jalen Hurts as the QB that I'm going to target in that range because he does have QB1 overall upside with A.J. Brown there now. So um, just you can't go wrong with Tom Brady, but his ADP is pretty rich for who is, you know, typically a, he's a pocket passer. Uh, so that that kind of caps his upside a bit. But um, definitely needs Gronk to return, but he's he's right in line with my rankings at QB7. Uh, which ADP are you using? Uh, I'm looking at just recent best ball drafts, so it's probably really sharp. Um, so those are what I'm referring to. Yeah, because uh, I'm Fantasy Pros has him at QB 12. Um, oh, Jesus. And I've been, I've, yeah. I've, you know, I keep saying like I was using best ball earlier in the year, but I actually yeah. like to look at the more kind of the the one that a lot of people listening might also end up with. <laughs> You're um, probably which, right. Yeah. No, you. So I mean, hey, if Tom Brady is slipping down there, you know, eight, like nine, ten, eleven, twelve, that back end. I think, you know, he's worth the risk because it's you're still taking him outside of the premium rounds in, yeah. in your fantasy draft. And that is when you want to start kind of swinging for the fences. And, um, you know, obviously out of all of the years in Brady's career, this could be the one where he slows down a little because of the aforementioned just supporting cast potential issues because, you know, the age, he's not going to be uh, amazing for his entire life. But I mean, you know, in the double digits in terms of quarterbacks uh, for a guy that could finish QB one, QB two. I mean, he finished QB two. He doesn't even run <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, I mean, I think it's, I do think it's worth the risk, but um, I think Godwin is a guy who I, you know, like to have for a chunk of the season. I think Russell Gage can fill mm-hmm. some of the void and at least, you know, let it to where there's not like just got everyone's covered all the time when Brady's looking for guys outside of Evans, but um, Gronk is obviously important as well. Yeah. So where, where do you have him ranked and who would you rather have Tom Brady or Joe Burrow this year? QB seven for me. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it's really close. Uh, yeah. I think I would still go, um, Brady, but it's, you know, Burrow's a younger guy. He's got Jamar chase. Um, you know, it's hard to bet against him as well, but um, I mean, it's just Tom Brady. There's been no point in betting against him for his entire <laughs> yeah. career, except maybe like a couple of years in there. Especially um, if he's going QB 12, referencing yeah. your, your ADP there. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's a slam dunk pick right there. Uh, all right, Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a guy that I, I, I think is going to, I think he should be a top 10 receiver, especially with all the uncertainty. Um, you know, Godwin, we don't think he's going to be able to come back to start the season. At least it's no guarantee rehabbing from the ACL. Uh, you know, Gronk obviously cuts into it a little bit. Russell Gage will be the new third receiver, but Mike Evans, a thousand plus yards, 67 plus catches every single year of his career. Uh, and then he's had 13 plus touchdown catches in both years with Brady. We don't expect him to get that many, but I still think he's coming like his regression to the mean is a higher mean touchdown-wise with Brady than pretty much any other receiver in the league. Yeah, I, I have him in my top 10. Uh, he's a slam dunk bet with Brady returning. I, it would have been interesting to rank him if Brady, uh, you know, stayed retired. Uh, but with Brady back, he's back in my top 10. 
he has such a high floor and ceiling combo. Um, like you said, he's he's a guy that we can just bank on touchdowns, which is massive. Um, but yeah, if if Godwin just misses the first couple of games, uh, I mean Evans could be a top five receiver the first couple of weeks. So um, love him if you can get him outside of the top ten, which which he's going. So uh, Tom Brady's return just just makes him just the stud he's been his whole career. Yeah, he's at wide receiver eleven in ADP on Fantasy Pros and. If you just look at his half PPR wide receiver finishes, his career, wide receiver 8, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 8, wide receiver 19, wide receiver 3, wide receiver 24, and then wide receiver 12 way back in his rookie year. It's an average of wide receiver 12, and he's never finished uh, outside (laughs) the top 24. So that's a rock-solid pick. Yeah. Godwin, I mean, that's a tough one for me. Usually – around this time of year, you're a little more optimistic about some of these guys who are going to miss the start of the season. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of like hands off. Um, So I'm curious as to how you are approaching Chris Godwin coming off that torn ACL in, was it January? I believe it was. Yeah, it was pretty late in the season, right? So he's, I would say he's questionable uh, for week one. (laughs) Um, So that's why his, his ADP is you know, factoring that in, he's wide receiver 25, but if he were ready to go week one, he would be, I would say he'd be in the top 15, right? So that's kind of what you have to decide. I would say he has to miss two to three games uh, to begin the season for me to stay away from him at wide receiver 25. So I don't know when he's going to return, but I'm willing to kind of buy the dip on him. Um, I will get to him later, but I think Gronk is the better buying the dip right now. But I think Chris Godwin at wide receiver 25, even if he misses weeks one and two, uh, he's probably going to hit for you. And like I always say, you said, I'm pretty bullish on guys that are just going to miss the first couple of games. That's the easiest time of year to replace production. Or if you're in best ball, you know, there, there's no bye weeks. It's the easiest time to replace that production as well. So uh, sign me up for Chris Gama at wide receiver 25 with Tom Brady back. You know, he's going to be pushing low end wide receiver one uh, value every week that he's active. So um, and ACL injuries, you know, that they haven't been as detrimental, you know, recently just, based on modern medicine. So I'm not too worried about the injury long-term. Um, so even if he misses the first couple of games, I, I like him at wide receiver 25. Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's just how many games, you know, a couple of games yeah. is not bad, but it's like, if you come into the year and you don't know whether it's going to be like two or six, then yeah. it becomes kind of a concern. Because you, still, Do you have any um, news or reports? Um, not, you know, I passing? mean, no, he's progressing, um, but there's is there still uncertainty? You know, this time of year, you're not going to hear anything too ominous, although, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to read between the lines. Um, you know, with Godwin, it's just – it's been a question mark from the jump. Uh, and I think it's always – I don't think there's ever been a scenario yet that I've heard about where he's definitely coming back for week one. So that's, I guess, if you mm-hmm. want to read between the lines. It, he's probably going to miss games, so – yeah, I, I would tread lightly with him just because I think you want to be sure. I, there's still, you know, in that range, that wide receiver 20 to 25 range, there's still a lot of other receivers that could give you six, 17 games or technically 16 games um, that, that Godwin may not. So I think you got to monitor him. Russell Gage, uh, he's going right outside the top uh, 48. So kind of a wide receiver four or five uh, is Russell Gage. I guess his ultimate ceiling kind of depends on Godwin. Yeah, absolutely. And even if Godwin's active, I I do like Gage, you know, he should replace that Antonio Brown role. And he's a guy, I think everybody, including myself has 
kind of overlooked the past few seasons. You know, he kind of was behind the, you know, scenes with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley running the show in Atlanta. But last year, he really did step up as their wide receiver one. So he could play any role. Um, you know, being the slot receiver, the number three receiver in offense is probably uh, more his style. But with, with Tom Brady under center, um, that's a valuable role. Um, I, I would be a bit concerned because, you know, Antonio Brown, his routes run typically capped out around 65%. You know, they do run more two tight end sets, but, you know, with OJ Howard gone, um, maybe they, they dial back that a bit. So I think if Gage is running around over 70% of the time, uh, he would be a pretty good value right in this wide receiver 45, 50 range. He doesn't have that high of a ceiling because he does kind of lack the touch on production, but maybe with Brady that changes, but Either way, I think he's a good bet for, you know, three to five catches a week uh, in this high-octane offense. So I, I do think he's pretty sneaky in this range. Yeah, and a full PPR, you know, I think if you take him as your wide receiver, ideally as your wide receiver five, but you may yeah. have to do it wide receiver four, especially if Godwin, you know, is confirmed out for a number of weeks to start the year. I, I don't think he hurts you, and I think he does have some sneaky upside. Um, yeah. But, yeah, once you start getting into, like, the half PPR even, it's – it gets a little murkier because I do think he'll be in that Antonio Brown, like 60%, 65% routes mm-hmm. from range, ultimately, um, if everyone's healthy. And even without, I mean, there's still no guarantee that he's like a 90% guy. He could still be kind of, you know, like he was with Atlanta, you know, 75, 80%, 85, yeah. and they mix some other guys in. So I, I do, but I do think he'll have some like eight catch games, you know, it's just Absolutely. That some weeks he'll have probably one or two, but I think he'll average out around, around you know four catches a game or so just because Brady is going to just he's going to hit him underneath all day yeah those eight catch games could happen uh, when Chris Godwin is hypothetically out the first couple games right that would be ideal that would be ideal if God yeah that's a good way to hedge like I think if Godwin's out week one Russell Gage will be definitely in my wide receiver three range but he would push you know wide receiver two value uh Gronk you you so you like buying the dip on Gronk he's Round tight end 15 right now, but he's going, depending on ADP, just essentially outside of the top 12 tight ends in one yeah. way or another. Um, so you like you like buying on Gronk, who is more more than likely to come back. Yeah, obviously it depends on league format. Um, but I, I think that the the ADP is probably anticipating his uh his odds of retiring maybe a little bit too high at this point. I think he is likely to return. Just the breeding the tea leaves, how the Bucks have handled this offseason certainly, you know, looks like they expect him to return. So, uh, I mean, once he announces he's going to return, his ADP is going to go, what, to, you know, tight end eight maybe? Uh, definitely inside the top eight, I would think. So uh, he's the guy just – you can just buy the dip if if you do think he's going to return, which I do. Um, so I, I have him priced out as my tight end 10 right now. Uh, I'm docking him off a game played. I'm just trying to factor in the slight chance uh, he's going to retire. But – this early in this, you know, the offseason, the draft season, I do like to take more gambles like this. Yeah, I mean, he's he should be no lower than tight end six. If I mean, I'm not saying he will get there ADP wise, but he like in my rankings, he would be no lower than tight end six. Like he would the only guys w- that would be above him would be Kelsey Andrews, Pitts, Kittle, Waller. Like that's it. And even then, yeah. uh, you know, at, you know, if we if we were guaranteed that he's back. Um, the final numbers, I mean, he could even challenge Kittle and Waller, especially given that, you know, Waller has Devontae to compete with and Kittle's just been kind of eh um, and, and has a new quarterback or potentially has a new quarterback, I should say. So, yeah, Gronk, I mean, he had his highest 
catches per game and yards per game, 4.6 for 67 since 2017. So he's not exactly washed, just like his quarterback. So, (laughs) and tight ends actually don't, like people think tight ends are just going to break down, but they actually age a lot more gracefully than wide receivers. Um, So like we've seen like a lot of these older tight ends continue to produce. So uh, I think you you talk about taking a chance. I, I, I love what you're saying with, just buying a dip on Gronk because I mean he has realistically overall tight end one upside. Like if absolutely, I mean, you know, like and yeah. we've seen it for a, I, there was a few weeks last year. I think he was in like our top one, top two, top three. So there's yep. yeah, Gronk is definitely the guy to buy a dip on. But that's what I'm saying. Like that's a sensible risk. Like Chris yeah. Godwin with no idea whether True. he's going to play like 14, 12, 10, 8, 16 games. In the in, the, in like the fourth round is a little different, so that that's that's kind of how I'm I'm approaching the Bucks. Like I'm much more likely to take the risk on Brady and Gronk um, than Godwin. Yeah, absolutely. And we we talk about the tight end really dropped off after uh, tight end five. We have this range. We we need a new nickname for it. We need a nickname for it. But like you know, I have Schultz, Goddard, Ertz, Hawkinson, right around that tight end six to nine range. But yeah, Gronk would probably slide above all those guys. Um, if if we knew he was going to return. So I'm being cautious and have him tight end 10. So I think he he's probably my favorite sleeper right yeah. now. Like, what are you going to do? We're going to, you're going to rate Gronk and Brady below TJ Hawkinson and Jared Goss. Hell no. like, Hell you're going to no. rate Gron- Goddard and uh, Gronk and Brady below Hertz and Goddard. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's going to be the tight end no lower than six. Like, well, don't, only, don't talk like, shit about Hertz and Goddard, but I, I take your point. <laughs> I take your point. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah. No, you're uh, right. <laughs> any, so I guess it's worth talking about really quick. If Gronk does not come back, where do you think you would have Cam Brate? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, he would certainly be in the you know tight end two discussion, especially since they got rid of um, OJ, OJ Howard. Yeah. yeah, and they drafted Kate Otten um, in the third round. He's more of a blocking tight end. There was a lot better you know receiving talent out there at tight end. So the fact they did that would bode well for Cam Brate. But I also think that that means that they think that Gronk's going to return. But yeah, Cam Brate would be, you know, a middling tight end too. He himself is not that talented. Like he's not going to, you know, put up tight end one value, but just being in this scheme with Brady, um, you know, he's certainly going to be in the tight end two discussion. Yeah. And I think Otten, I mean, I think they view Otten as a guy who can, uh, is a pretty good pass catcher. Actually. I think they. Compared to the other guys in this class though, like yeah, we were talking, you know, Heading into the draft, how fun would it be if they took Trey McBride? You know, yeah. like a guy like that would be, uh, you know, worth noting. But yeah, with with Kate Otten, I, I just feel like the moves that they made, especially getting rid of OJ Howard, like just signals to me anyway that they, they expect Gronk to return. But yeah, that all this <laughs> bodes well for Cam Brate is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think Otten is actually more of the long term Brate replacement, like just kind of a solid all around, yeah, um, tight end. Um, not super explosive, but uh, Leonard Fournette is going around RB12. He signed a three-year uh, $21 million deal, I believe it was. Any concern of a potential letdown after the contract? 
Ooh, not really, especially um, at RB12. I mean, we were getting him in the RB35 range last year, so those days are over, unfortunately. But, I mean, do you remember last year when he was, uh, you know, firing all cylinders? He was a top five back. So, like, I, I don't see why he wouldn't return to that role, really. Um, I know Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn and Joe Bernardo there, but they, I don't think they're going to mix him that much. Um, so, I'm not worried about you know, the, any potential concerns of a committee. I think they, especially Brady himself, just wants Leo Fournette out there all the time. So I, I like him at RB12. I mean, he has just as much injury risk as any other workhorse back. So um, I, I think you can still get him at a value at uh, RB12. I have him as my RB9. He had 13 attempts and six targets per game last year, just over 13 attempts, just over six targets per game last year. So um, yeah, I like his usage, especially in this offense. And I think some of that uncertainty with the pass catching positions mm. only helps him because I mean, a guy who can get six targets and catch five balls a game, um, is, is going to be a guy that, you know, if there's any type of injury or uncertainty, he's going to, he's going to get yeah. the ball, uh, in his hands a ton. Uh, and they committed to him, you know, they, they finally, you know, he was kind of a, a risk, a, a low, kind of a I wouldn't say high risk, just kind of a risk reward gamble for Tampa Bay a couple of years ago and it paid off and now they've committed to him. So uh, I, I assume they're going to run him into the ground. Uh, all right. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, white Vaughn geo. Um, I guess white is the guy to, to talk about because that's the guy who, if somebody goes overdrafted, it's going to be him. He's got the highest ADP already <laughs> of those three backs. Do you foresee white, uh, you know, kind of being on an active roster and being that number two guy to Fournette, do you think he's going to have to work for it? Because, you know, Gio would be the pass catching back and then Vaughn is a sp- like play special team. So I, I don't think it's like a foregone conclusion that all three of these guys actually make the roster or are active every week. Yeah, it's it's definitely a murky situation. I think White uh, probably has the most upside out of those three, but it's, it's asking a lot for, you know, Tom Brady to feel comfortable with the, rookie running back in on, you know, third down, uh, doing pass protection. Um, but that's, that's white specialty. He is a pass catching back. So that's his way, catching, uh, not protect pass catching, pass catching back. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm saying that he's going to have to be a good pass protector to really get those snaps. Um, and Tom Brady will ultimately decide that fate. So, uh, and we saw last year, Gio Bernard didn't really mix in at all. And he's a seasoned, you know, solid veteran. In that role. So I think that Brady just prefers to have Fournette out there all the time. So I think if Fournette were to miss time, I mean, it it would just be a mess. I think Vaughn, um, you know, would see more of the early down work and White. White would probably push, you know, RB3 flex um, upside. But I just think at his ADP, there's way better. um, There's more upside backs in that range if there were to be an injury in their backfield uh, than White. Because like I said, even if Fournette goes down, it's still murky. So. Uh, I'm kind of off white as, as a rookie anyway. Yeah. It, I'm still monitoring the the situation because I, yeah. I think like Gio Bernard, I mean, the reason he wasn't in the backfield is because he has like 1200 career touches and it's like 30 years <laughs> old, 31 now, but right. like that dude is, uh, he's kind of on his he's, last legs. He's just a fantasy flex meme at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I understand why he wouldn't be on the field a ton. Um, you know, now, they needed a replacement for Ronald Jones. I think white, you know, obviously adds more as a pass catcher, but could kind of give him that same, you know, explosiveness and, you know, just another guy who can 
do things with it on the ground with the ball in his hands. So if Fournette did go down, I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn didn't light the world on fire last year, and they took a back in the – what was – White was a third-rounder? Yeah. I yeah, I White, believe so, yeah. Yeah, and it's like it was kind of high. A lot of people had him going – later or didn't you know didn't really have him mocked there um so i i think vaughn is probably the one in trouble but if white is going to kind of if he can win that clear kind of ronald jones role Mm -hmm. um i would be interested at least as a handcuff just because this this role is so valuable in this bucks offense i mean it's you know so uh, I'm, i'm i'm still uh i'm still watching white let's go uh yeah any so sweepers busts on tampa bay i think for me you know, the sleepers are Brady and Gronk, as crazy as that sounds, um, <laughs> yeah. just because I think they're going too low at positions where they have a non-zero chance of finishing as the number one or number two overall player at that position. Yeah, for, for me, it's just Gronk because this is the only time you can probably get him uh, this cheap. Uh, and if he retires, then I look like an idiot, but that's fine. Like, this is the time you to take gambles on news like this. Um, and then the bus, that, like... Every single player in this Bucks offense is worth taking <laughs> at ADP. But like, like I said, the bust would probably uh, Rashad White just because um, I'd rather take running backs in this range with uh, a clear backup role um, where he might he might win that role. And, you know, I'll return to this later in the offseason and maybe like him. But just as of right now, he's probably the only guy I would uh, consider other guys at ADP. Uh, for me, I think it would be Godwin just because I think I don't know exactly there's no telling exactly how much we should discount him yet based on the injury how many games he's going to play and he's still going as a top you know as a wide receiver a mid-range wide receiver too um so i think that there's bust potential there um you know he's been a guy he has struggled a little bit with health over these last couple years even in brady's first year he only had 840 yards uh because he missed uh four games so yeah godwin for me i think is the the closest thing to a bust all right let's go to the saints Jameis Winston, what are your thoughts on Winston and just how he's going to be able to replicate what was a very efficient but short-lived uh, first season with the Saints and now without Sean Payton? Yeah, the, the loss of Sean Payton certainly hurts, but they're they're keeping the same coaching regime here, so I'm not anticipating too many changes other than maybe Taysom Hill is no longer you know the gimmicky quarterback anymore, which only helps Jameis Winston, but I mean, the pass catching talent around him is improving greatly this season. I mean, he had Marquez Callaway as his wide receiver one entering last season, and now he's his wide receiver four because you potentially getting Michael Thomas back. Uh, they just recently signed Jarvis Landry, and they traded up to get Chris Olave. So uh, I love Winston as current ADP, just considering the talent around him uh, has improved. We'll have to monitor the Alvin Kamara situation. I think if Kamara gets a lengthy suspension, uh, I might ding Winston just a little bit, but um, just overall, um, I think that Winston, he he's in that low-end QB2 range, and he has the upside uh, to certainly crush ADP. Yeah, I almost wonder if Kamara being out would help him or at yeah, least be a wash, just because the issue with Winston last year was that the Saints essentially played hide the quarterback with him. He did not see very many passing attempts. Uh, per game last year and the Saints were not very a very pass heavy team but you have these you're hoping three solid good receivers here and if you didn't have Kamara I mean they don't really have much in the backfield I know Mark Ingram is there but he's 
another guy that's kind of on the, in the twilight of his career. So I wonder if he would kind of, if the Saints would be a an above average pass attempt team without without Alvin Kamara. Yeah, yeah probably just a little less efficient, but yeah, right. certainly more pass heavy, which benefits Winston. And you know, Winston's rushing upside is a bit capped at this point in his career. And he is, you know, he's coming off the ACL injury. So um, he's going to be more of a pocket passer, but I just think the environment around him is significantly better than last year for sure. All right. What are, what are your thoughts on Thomas? Because I was gobbling him up in a bunch of best ball leagues early in the offseason. I thought he was, you know, he was going sometimes outside the wide receiver two range and into the wide receiver three range. Um, but as I'm kind of like, you know, I try to read every single beat report I can for these teams as before we do these podcasts, especially, and just kind of generally throughout the offseason, um, just to kind of see if I can glean anything. And I got to say, I did not like to hear that Michael Thomas is still rehabbing yeah. the ankle and like really hasn't been on the field. I mean, I know he got the surgery late and that was kind of an issue with the team, but like this is another situation where it's like, all right, now I'm starting. I know it's still June, but it's like it can't be a good sign that he's still rehabbing his ankle. No, definitely not a good sign. And this is sort of like the Chris Godwin situation, if if you want to apply your logic there, where we don't know if he's going to be ready week one. He probably has a better chance than Godwin, right, to be ready for week one. But he's in that wide receiver 25 to 30 range. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to be off of them at this point, um, uh, just because I, I do think that guys like Landry and Olave will, you know, command their own target share. So I don't think we're going to see the old Michael Thomas where, you know, he's pushing 30%, uh, targets per route run or anything. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit lower on Thomas, even when he is healthy, but certainly this, this ankle injury still lingering, uh, is a big concern for me. So I'm, I'm probably passing on him unless he gets like, if he gets, you know, in the mid 30s at wide receiver that's probably when i'll target him yeah and i mean i i would say i would be less concerned about godwin because at least with godwin we know what we're dealing with it's a torn acl there's a certain yeah. recovery timetable <laughs> and as the season draws nearer we can gauge exactly how close he is and his quarterback's tom brady like michael thomas if his ankle injury is still bothering him and like he's not going to be ready to start the season, then there's no telling when he's going to be ready because he should have already been ready. Yeah, true. <laughs> like, is it so? There's a difference. Like, Chris Godwin, if he's not back in week one, it's because he just shouldn't have been ready yet. Like, that there's varying timetables for an ACL. Michael Thomas should be over this injury. So, yeah, yeah, I would be concerned about him. Now, obviously, if we get news that he is back on the field, that's when you have to be ready to buy the dip because I still, I mean, just if you look at his targets per route run, you look at it, like he's never averaged fewer than 5.7 catches a game. Um, you know, I find it tough to see him going below, like let's say five, which is still a pretty valuable um, wide receiver. And then, you know, he has, he's another guy with that, you know, number one overall upside in him. It's, and we could mm. see a pass heavier offense and Jameis Winston. I mean, even though Thomas doesn't necessarily run those like downfield routes for Winston to chuck it, Winston was kind of a new quarterback last year. So mm -hmm. like, I like the upside, but it really all hinges on him getting back on the field. Like if, if he's not on the field and practicing by the time like camp starts and then like, this is Lincoln, and then he's like sitting out every preseason game. And then like, you, you, we never get to actually see confirm that this man can still like walk and run and cut. <laughs> 
Like yeah. I am, I'm completely off him. Yeah, we will probably know way more about the situation later next month. Uh, yeah, so right now there's just a ton of uncertainty. Yeah, it's so like right now I would say like hold off because especially if you like I already bought you know earlier when I thought he was going to be fine. So like I have no incentive to buy yeah. anymore. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would I would kind of hold off for now and just be ready. Um, you know, once we get actual confirmation that he's back on the field and he makes it through like a couple of weeks of practices too, because sometimes they get back on the field, like a couple of practices and then they're back on the sideline. Like, did you hear, I think it's, uh, Curtis Samuels already like <laughs> missing practice time. Oh like, God. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Starting to get used to that. Um, <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> but yeah, this, this range, uh, just give me Jerry Judy, Brandon cooks, Gabe Davis. And Allen Robinson, there's just too many good receivers in this range to even like, um, you know, be investing in this just murky injury situation. Yeah. Uh, Landry, Jarvis Landry. He's actually yeah. going I, and fantasy pros. Anyway, I see him at wide receiver 50. I see Olave <laughs> at wide yeah. receiver 45. Um, what are your thoughts on those two guys starting with Landry, who he's always been a consistent receiver, but we started to see the, the cracks last year. He couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. Do you think he's on the downside? Um, you know, or like how, you know, he is going on, this will be his age 30 year coming off his yeah. worst year in terms of games played, um, yardage, catches, all that good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's completely washed uh, because he, like you said, he's turning 30. He's 20, he's 29 right now. He's turning 30 this season. So he's certainly going to be on the decline, but we, we can't just throw him away quite yet. I think he still has, you know, one or two decent seasons in him. And apparently he's dominating OTAs. Not that that oh. means too much, but oh. I mean, it's not OTAs surprising. that Michael he's, Thomas isn't there. So, yeah, yeah. It's not surprising. He's Jarvis Landry. He's pretty good at football, but um, I just, I, I think that since he's the cheapest receiver in this sort of murky uh, three wide receiver, uh, you know, that the depth chart, the saints have, I, I think that he's probably the best value, but at the end of the day, he, he only has so much upside. He's not going to be, you know, a touchdown kind of guy. Uh, he's going to have to fight for targets, uh, you know, with Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. So he's never going to be that guy from, you know, the Dolphins or Browns that's racking up five plus catches a game. So uh, I, I'm not really investing in this wide receiver group at all. But I think just out of the three, Landry probably offers the most value just because he's going the latest of the three. So you don't think Olave, what do you what do you think the chances of Olave just being like great are like just, uh, you know, because the Saints. Sometimes they just hit on these draft picks yeah. and it's just like, and this was like, this was their guy. Like they traded picks. They drafted him above Jameson Williams just to get like what an extra six games from Olave. So like, this is their guy. So, I mean, there's, Oh, I always when with the saints. I always kind of keep that in the back of my head that like, I always want some exposure to these guys. You know, if, I'm, if you're drafting one team, like I can't make an amazing case that you should draft Chris Olave, but if you're, if you're drafting like hundreds of best ball teams, like you need to have Olave on a, you know, a decent amount of them because he might just be really good. And like I said, we have no idea what's going on with Michael Thomas. Yeah. So Olave is my favorite rookie receiver, um, sort of in this wide receiver 40 to 50 range. Um, and the saints traded up a ton of draft capital to get him. So obviously they're going to put him, in a uh, position to succeed right away. Uh, so I do like his upside. And like, we, like we've been saying, you know, Michael Thomas might not even be ready week one. Who knows if this ankle injury is going to linger uh, throughout the season. So I think Olave certainly has a ton of upside, but you know, wide receiver 45, that's, that's close to his, you know, ceiling. If everyone's healthy, 
Um, so that's why I was saying Landry is probably the better value, but absolutely. If you're going to invest in upside in this range, especially in a rookie, I think Olavia is probably the, the target for me. Yeah. I mean, he ran what? 4.39. Uh, and he's yeah, really he's good route runner. Yeah. Good route. Runner. Runner. Like, yeah. I would say the only saint player that projected a start that can go downfield, like Landry's not going downfield. Michael Thomas right as good as he is, is a short to intermediate guy. And now he's going to have ankle trouble. So, I mean, whatever deep speed he had um, is going to be compromised. So, yeah, I think I'm really interested in Olave in like best ball formats where I don't have yeah. to predict which weeks he will go off, but <laughs> I could see him having like a few hundred yard games uh, in year one even. I could see him being really good, you know, just based on the Saints track record. Uh, although I, I still think, you know, I don't necessarily like giving up all what they did for him, but yeah, the Saints deserve the benefit of the doubt with the players they actually uh, take. Uh, okay, Kamara. Oh, well, I mean Adam Troutman. We don't really need to talk. No, about that, right? well, we could we could talk about it just briefly, but <laughs> I, I, it's all you. <laughs> it's, yeah. I have nothing to say I, about Adam Troutman. <laughs> yeah, Troutman is a tough sell in this range, uh, especially since they they mixed in. John Johnson quite a bit last year. They're going to be using Taysom Hill more, you know, as a tight end gadget player. So count me out. Uh, I, I love the talent uh, that Troutman has, but just the situation this year uh, is it, he's not a uh, buy for me. Yeah, he's like these. Nah, I don't. I don't. Give know me, give me, really give me Gerald Everett. Give me Gerald Everett or Hayden Hurst in this range. Like it's yeah. insane that those guys are going in this range. Like Troutman just makes. He just one of those dudes that like. You'd be watching Saints games, and you know he's like the Mario Chalmers of the Saints offense. It's like every time <laughs> there's like somebody runs the wrong route, or there's like a drop on third down, and you just see Troutman jogging off, and the coach lighting up, lighting into him. And I don't know. I don't. Everyone every year, I feel like there's this Troutman hype. So I'm glad we're off. We're off the yeah. train uh, this year. Definitely off the Troutman train. <laughs> uh Kamara here we go again more uncertainty oh, I don't, how do you predict him I mean is he gonna <laughs> miss four games is he gonna miss six games is he gonna miss no games uh are you asking me I have no yeah, idea but I, mean, I'm I saying, am I would like I know to know that, I know we have <laughs> the common belief that the first couple rounds do not you know invest in uncertainty or guys with multiple game suspensions brewing like I'm out on him completely in the RB10 range um, even when he was healthy last year, you know, his, his efficiency was down. I think he's, he's too talented not to bounce back, but just with, you know, the four to six game suspension looming, uh, just, I, I rather just invest in guys that I know have the potential to play 17 games. Now he could avoid legal trouble or could get pushed out to next year, but either way, uh, just first couple rounds, I'm pretty risk averse and I want nothing to do with Kamara right now. Where would he have to drop if he got, let's say he got a six game suspension. I think that happened. Did, was that Zeke that happened? No, I don't know if he's, I don't think he started the year with a six game, but regardless, if he got a six game suspension, like where would the earliest you would think about taking him would be? Um, well, off the top of my head, uh, he would have to fall out of the top 20. Uh, but as you know, like I'm a fan of taking guys that, um, you know, if they're, if they're going to be out for six games and their ADP dips too much, uh, depending on your league type, there can be some value there. But for him, he would have to fall out. Uh, outside of the top 20, maybe the top 25. Uh, if he's out for a full, you know, six game suspension, what about you? Yeah, I, it, would, it would have to be around 25 for me just because yeah. running back, it's just so, you know, it, it's so tough, especially this year. I mean, maybe things could change, but it's it's hard to now 
count on your running back three as your running back two for the first six weeks. And then there's so many injuries. And, but I do, I mean, Kamara still, I mean, this guy is, he's probably going to put up top 12 per game numbers, regardless mm-hmm. when he plays. And it's not yeah. like it's an injury and it's not like, like no one's going to really take his spot. You know what I mean? Like he's going to yeah. come back and he's going to be that, that, that guy. So um, yeah, it would probably have to be around RB 25. Uh, just kind of a hypothetical at this point, but I agree at, at RB 10, he's a guy I really don't want to touch at this point because you could be losing six games. And I mean, you know, you RB, I mean, he could also just finish as the RB 10. So it's like, you're not getting a yeah. massive discount for the um, potential suspension. Right. Do you think Ingram is the guy that's going to be that workhorse if Kamara is out or you, I mean, Tony Jones is still there. Do you think they sign somebody else? How do you think they go about it? Um, if Kamara misses time, significant time. Yeah. If, if he misses significant time, there's a chance they bring someone in and then, then I'm off Ingram, but right, right now, you know, Ingram is the main handcuff um, and you can get him pretty late in some drafts. You know, he's fallen outside of the top 70 yeah. uh, in some of my drafts. <laughs> so it's like, you know, being a, it's not only that he's, you know, the handcuff, but he, he already has a path to starting week one. Uh, not many backups have that path right now. So he's, he's way undervalued right now. I could see them, you know, certainly mixing in Tony Jones, uh, Abram Smith would be interesting. Um, he's an undrafted free agent out of Baylor, um, more of a, you know, grinder like Ingram. So he'd be a guy to watch too, but I think that they would trust Ingram. Uh, and he would certainly be, you know, RB three flex, uh, value uh, the first couple weeks, uh, Kamara's out. So I think that Ingram would be the guy to invest in if you think Kamara's going to get multiple game suspension. All right. What's uh, any, let's see, sleepers and busts for the Saints. Uh, who do you got? Well, I, like I said, the sleeper is probably uh, Jarvis Landry just because he's the cheapest of the three wide receivers. Uh, I'm not really investing in this trio other than, you know, the occasional roll of the dice with Chris Olave and best ball. But I just think Landry, just given reports we're hearing, and like I said, he's probably not washed. He's only turning 30 people. Uh, so I think that Landry's probably my sleeper. And then the bust has to be Kamara. Just we already talked about the significant risk that you're taking on at RB10. Uh, I just cannot do it uh, in mid-June. Yeah, I'll go sleeper Olave just because I think I think he just has yeah. upside to be like really like, you know, one of those guys every you know, like kind of like remember when Odell Beckham was just like yeah, really good yeah. immediately. Like there's just a few guys every year um that pop. And I just think Olave has that potential um to where it doesn't even matter who's around him. Um and then plus. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, ahead. I was just going to piggyback that. I was just saying, like, even if he does bust in this range, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you get yes. him wide receiver four. So that's why I'm saying, yeah, like, yeah. he's definitely worth the upside. I mean, worst thing I think happens with Olave is just, like, we're a year early, and he's just, like, our Gabe Davis or something. You know oh, I mean? like, yeah. <laughs> he's just, like, that, year that's two. That's possible. Like, <laughs> um, but, yeah, and bust, I, I, I see it with Kamara. Um, but at least I think the thing – the reason I won't – Cole Kamara, the biggest potential bust is because I think either way, you're going to kind of know what you're getting and be able to project him. Like either he's going to miss, he's just going to miss games. Like, and you're going to be able to project just like doc games. Whereas with Michael Thomas, Mm. he, like, if he's questionable for week one, you're not really going to know how many games to doc. Like he could come back week one, aggravate it, miss another three weeks. You know what I mean? He could be in and out of the lineup. He could be ineffective. Olave could be good. Landry could, take targets to where he's just a shell of himself. Like I see multiple paths for Michael Thomas to bust. Whereas I 
for me, Kamara is just kind of cut and dry. Just we're just waiting right now on news. Whereas yeah. like, <laughs> right now there is a ton of uncertainty, but I agree yeah. that at some point there will be some certainty. Yeah. So with, with Thomas, I'm just saying yeah. there's less certainty. Like he could he could be fine for week one, but he's not really fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So and I know doctor. I know doctor, but it seems like an ankle. Just a long-term ankle injury. Yeah. <laughs> significantly uh, more, like the odds of him retweaking it or having a setback seems greater than other types of injuries. Yeah. And he's a bigger guy. You know, it's a, like yeah. a lot of weight kind of cutting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's just why I'm going with him over Kamara for, uh, in terms of busts. But let's jump to the Carolina Panthers. Ah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Damn Darnold. Damn Darnold. I don't know. Whatever you want to call him. I don't know. What do people do? do Carolina fans. We got to get Sam Samantha on the pod and ask her, like, what what's like the preferred nickname for Sam Darnold out there and Carolina? I know. I know people are calling him something besides just yelling curses at their TV every time he starts. But um, he's there. So, like, (laughs) two of the like, (laughs) this is just hilarious to me because, like, I can't even like keep a straight face when I'm doing Panthers research. Because it's like, <laughs> I'm oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah. How, how's this offense going to run with Sam Darnold and Ben McAdoo? Like, <laughs> right. Well, Sam like, Darnold doesn't, he doesn't really need it. And because Sam Darnold's kind of becoming a curse word itself. Probably, <laughs> yeah. fans, so, right. Yeah. What Jets more, fans know well. They know well. What more needs to be said? Uh, uh, but do you think that Matt Corral will be able to, rep- or what week do you think Matt Corral will replace Sam Darnold by? Uh, preseason week two. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, if that he should, like he yeah. he probably won't. But that's that's like if they are out there together for like one preseason <laughs> game, you're gonna see who's the better quarterback. Um, I mean, but seriously, so. McAdoo is Darnold's fourth offensive coordinator in five years. So like, that's not good. And then people like to say, you know, I, I, I really like the comments and Panthers fans who are obviously agonizing their quarterback situation at the moment. But I've seen people say like, oh, he had no real offensive line last year. Uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey was hurt most of the year. Well, there's a way to kind of still kind of get a sense of like how a guy is going to do even, you know, if if things are like kind of hold up around him, like you can look at how guys perform in a clean pocket, you know, when they're mm-hmm. the offensive line is kind of taken out of the equation. Sam Darnold was 29th out of 30 qualifiers in yards per attempt uh, from a clean pocket. He was 27th out of 30 in PFF passing grade from a clean pocket. I mean, in terms of adjusted completion percentage, which factors in drops, because Robbie Anderson had a lot of those. He was 25th. This guy's just not a good quarterback. So, like, he's there's, I'm afraid, like, when you look at outside of DJ Moore, I don't know if this offense is going to be able to support anybody else just because the quarterback's not good from a queen pocket. And then, I mean, or you'd have a third round rookie in there. Yeah. Well, outside of Kirsch McCaffrey and DJ Moore, you, you cannot trust anybody. In this offense, and Darnold kind of tricked us last year. You know, he had that hot start. They started off three and zero, and then he turned into Sam Darnold. So, um, I want nothing to do with this quarterback carousel. Like uh, Sam Darnold and Matt Corral are both my two lowest ranked QBs right now. Um, so this is a pretty easy pass for me. DJ Moore. Uh, yeah, 
what do you what do you make of him? Um, obviously, he had he's never really had a great quarterback. Uh, so, I mean, how high are you ranking him? He should be entering his prime. I mean, it seems yeah. like he's been good for a while now, but now he's kind of entering the age where, where wide receivers really start to break out. Um, he was kind of outside the top 25 in just straight up half PPR points per game among wide receivers. Um, you have to think that's something to do with the, the quarterback situation, but it was, it was more just cause like none of these Panther quarterbacks were touchdowns. So he only had four. Yeah. Um, so like, I guess the better question is how many touchdowns are you projecting for more? <laughs> he's at two, four, four, four in his four years. That's the question. Yeah. So he's never topped four touchdowns. Um, and certainly that I wouldn't say that's his fault that his playing style is more between the twenties. Anyway, uh, he hasn't had a great QB ever that hasn't, that's not changing this year. Um, so let me, let me pull up my projected touchdowns uh, 4.7. So I am projecting some positive Ooh, going out regression the there. Uh, I mean, he's due for it. Right. But at the end of the day, he's not going to provide many touchdowns for you. Um, so that's why I don't think he's going to be able to push, you know, wide receiver one potential. He is, you know, he's arguably a top 10 talent, but just given the situation around him, his lack of touchdown pr- production, um, he's more of a high floor player. I have him projected as my wide receiver 19. Um, so he's being drafted about where he should be, but I just think his ceiling's capped just based on the factors outside of himself. I actually like him as a pick in that range because I think because he has such a high floor, again, this is still the part of the draft where I don't want to lose the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think he has some untapped ceiling for a couple of reasons. Number one is because the Panthers have made no secret that they're open to acquiring a veteran quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still a possibility that Mayfield ends up there, Jimmy G, some somebody competent that would still be feeding DJ Moore the ball. Uh, and then number two, I w- went back and looked at Ben McAdoo's offenses. He had two years as offensive coordinator with the Giants and two more years as head coach. But being that he was an offensive coach, I'm just going to call that his offense. Um, and he had a, a receiver in Odell Beckham who in, in kind of, you know, same similar situation, age range and prime and, and all that. And in, in those four years that McAdoo was there, Odell Beckham averaged 10.8, 10.5, 10.6, and 10.3 targets per game. Moore's career high is 9.6. So, and McAdoo's always been near the top of the league in pass attempts. I don't know how that's going to jive with Matt Rule, who I remember at times last year, he wanted to run yeah. more. <laughs> Um, yep. but even with, uh, Chuba Hubbard. Yeah. Running back, I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, they, <laughs> they thought he was going to be all right. He, he had some decent flashes, but yeah, I mean, it was, it, I don't know exactly if that's going to continue, but I do think there's some kind of unrealized upside just from more getting perhaps a more competent quarterback, uh, maybe the most competent he's ever had, to be honest. I mean, it's not a high bar to clear. And then, um, you know, him potentially breaking into that 10 plus target per game range. Um, Cause he has all the talent in the world, like you said. So like, he's one of those guys, like you every year, there's a couple of those guys that just bust out for like 160 targets um, on like a shaky team, kind of like Allen Robinson a couple of years ago. Um, so like, I think more has that potential. And like you said, the floor is so high that I'm kind of already factoring in him getting like four to five touchdowns, <laughs> even when I'm drafting him like wide receiver yeah. 18 anyway. So I like more as a pick. I, I think, I'm betting on the, the entering his prime. I'm betting on the talent and, and I'm betting on Ben McAdoo just kind of saying, 
not really knowing how to get anyone else involved, which, I mean, you couldn't even blame him outside of Moore and, and McCaffrey. Do you think he benefited a bit from McCaffrey just missing so much time last year? Uh, and Robbie Anderson was just god-awful. They didn't really have a number three receiver. Um, not, not that those have really changed, but do you think McCaffrey's return might ding his target share just a little bit? I don't know, because even when McCaffrey played, I mean, he had – yeah, he was getting a lot of double. He had a lot of double-digit target games, yeah. kind of in there. Um, you know, I, maybe. I, I mean, yes, you're, it's going to be a tiny bit, but this again, this is the kind of number one receiver you're looking for. Still, where I mean, McCaffrey helps you just stay on the field sometimes, and mm. then you're you're still a huge target hog among the other pass yeah. catchers. So, I, yes, maybe in in terms of like the final projection, it, it'll knock a catch here off or a catch there, but. Um, nothing too major. Like I, I think there's still a lot of upside with with yep. more and, and a very high five. I mean, he never had fewer than seven targets in any game last year. Mm-hmm. Very so, consistent. Yep. Yeah. So I I I I think more is just he's just a really rock solid pick. Like it's not quite my, Mike Evans, but you know, it's it's almost like it's Mike Evans without the touchdowns. You know, he had one year under a thousand, he's been over a thousand each of the last three. Um, it just you just don't get the touchdowns. They're gonna be in tr- trailing game scripts almost every week. Which yeah. helps. Um, yeah, not much, not much else to talk about. <laughs> Robbie Anderson. Oh man, I've, I've decided that he just he just got that contract and he was just like fuck it, like <laughs> I, like there's nothing else to explain why he was that bad last year. I mean, Sam Darnold, you can't even use the Darnold excuse because he's actually played well with Darnold. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's friends with Darnold. So yeah, I, he's going at seventy. Three uh, ADP. I'm I'm not touching him. I think there's you know just go for upside there. Not I think I think we've seen Anderson peak already. Yeah, yeah. You know I'm one of the biggest Robbie Anderson stands out there, but I'm off him. Last year he was you know arguably the worst starting receiver. He finished wide receiver 50 despite playing all 17 games, and he pretty much ran over 90 percent routes run every single week, (laughs) and he was still only wide receiver 50. His catch rate was only 48%. You would have to expect that can only go up. But at the end of the day, like I I see him more likely conceding snaps to Terrence Marshall this year than really bouncing back to being, you know, a wide receiver four again. He might have the occasional big game, but yeah, like he fell off face after that contract. So, you know, maybe you're right, but either way, I'm, I'm off of Robbie. Yeah. Only wide receiver ranked 50th or below with more than hundred targets. So he's just wildly inefficient. um Terrace Marshall any any kind of year two breakout for him I mean I just even with a better quarterback I still don't think it's enough um unless he makes a massive leap I just didn't see enough from him last year yeah he, he was very disappointing last year he he still has upside I still have hope of a potential year two breakout I'm not going to bet on it necessarily uh but there's a chance he, he should be the wide receiver three uh last year he, he was unable to beat out Brandon Zilkstra at the end of the season, which is not good for him. Uh, but he he could, you know, take away snaps from Robbie Anderson. Uh, but they would need to bring in a veteran quarterback. This this offense is not capable of uh, providing fancy value outside of Chris McCaffrey or DJ Moore. So, you know, Marshall will need a lot of things to happen. But he certainly has the talent to be there, um, potentially in the future if they bring in a better quarterback. But right now, I'm off him, even at wide receiver 100. Yeah, I don't like this. The average depth of target was below seven. That's uh, just not a good sign. Um, Ian Thomas, Tommy Trumbull, splitting snaps again. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing there. 
uh, Christian McCaffrey is uh, where you, you, I think you said you have him as your number two running back. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. now I have him as my running back too, because um, I'm considering him to have as just, just as much injury risk as everybody else. So uh, he's right back to RB two for me. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, just the pass catching upside when he's been in games, he's still been a monster um, and you can't predict running back injuries. And he's, it's not like he has any specific thing where it's like, you're really worried about it. Like, you know, Saquon with the knee and, you know, he just kind of had a whitney of different injuries, um, unfortunately, but uh, like this guy could win you. He's, you know, he's, he's just as likely to lose your week as any other running back you're taking that high um, and probably more likely to win it than almost anyone. So yeah, I think that, you know, second running back off the board after Jonathan Taylor and he could easily outplay Taylor. Like we, we talked about it. Taylor had the outlier last year and Taylor's not going to catch as many passes. So, um, you know, there's a good chance if McCaffrey plays a normal amount of games, he's right back up as that number one fantasy player period. Yep. Uh, sleepers and busts, uh, on the Panthers. Well, it's tough because they, they really only have two fancy relevant players. Um, so my sleeper, my sleeper is no one, uh, for, let me get that out of the way, but it would, it would be Christian McCaffrey if he falls outside of the top two or three, I guess. Right. But like, I can't, I can't really recommend anybody else, um, outside of him as a sleeper. Yeah, there's, there's nothing there. Yeah. It's in the same thing. Like I, I don't think DJ Moore is in, at risk of a bust at all. Um, so yeah, there's no, I mean, and the other guys are already being taken where they should. So let's just jump to the Falcons. Interesting team are the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of kind of new pieces. Arthur Smith has always been a uh, pretty, pretty good coach. And I think the staff is, is good. Um, they got Mariota there who Smith has coached before. They got Desmond Ritter. Um, I mean, I guess Mariota, I guess my question is if he starts week one, um, he, we know he has a rushing ability. He looked really good in that one start he made for Vegas after kind mm-hmm. of sitting out and we've seen, Ryan Tannehill kind of resurrect his career under Arthur Smith. So um, is there any intrigue with Mariota just as a streamer um, if he's starting in week one? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we have to remember he's only 28 years old. He was the number two overall pick in 2015. Um, And, you know, the the Falcons took Desmond Ritter in the third round, but I don't think they're going to just like rush him to start because they want to see what they have in Mariota. He could potentially be, they're starting quarterback the next few seasons. So I think they're going to give him every chance. Um, and like you said, he has that dual threat ability. So there's going to be weeks where if they have a good matchup, you know, he could be in that mid range QB two range. So, um, and he has enough weapons, you know, they have Drake London, Cordell Patterson, Kyle Pitts. So th- there's enough there to believe in him uh, for a few games, at least this season. Um, you know, I'm not going out of my way to draft him. Um, for season long leagues or anything but like that. But yeah, certainly as a streaming option, DFS, uh, I'm going to be interested with the right matchups. Yeah. And unfortunately, they start the year versus New Orleans and then at Oof. the Rams. So those are two top six pass defenses in yeah. DVOA. <laughs> so not ideal start, uh, but uh, maybe week three at Seattle, maybe week four against Cleveland. Um, he actually has some tough defense because I think they go to Tampa Bay. San Francisco and six and, and five and six. So yeah, maybe in week three um, at Seattle, you, you could get a stream in. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, I think he has some upside just based on his legs, but the matchups, you know, it's, it's not looking yeah. good early in the year. 
Drake London. Actually, let's start with Kyle Pitts. Let's start with Kyle Pitts. He's the real wide receiver one here. <laughs> uh, is he your yeah. kind of tight end three, kind of no questions asked, or is he in a tier with Kittle and Waller uh, as well, or is he in the tier with Andrews above them? No, no, no. I have Kelsey and Andrews in tier one. They're all alone up there. Uh, and then, yeah, I have a three-way tier here with George Kittle, Darren Waller, and Kyle Pitts. So I, I have them essentially tied uh, for tight end three. And with, you know, Kyle Pitts, you know, the, the sky's the limit with him, but he is going to be hindered by this passing offense, at least for this season. I'm only projecting the offense to throw for 20 and a half touchdowns. Um, so while he is going to see some positive regression off his one touchdown season last year, um, I don't think we could be projecting him for eight plus quite yet. Uh, but certainly, you know, he, he's going to give you the, the catches and the yards. So he's certainly he's a top five, you know, tight end. I almost call him receiver because he is, but he's a top five tight end. But he's just not quite in that stratosphere yet. He's going to need a better system, better quarterback to get there. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I have his projected touchdowns at four and a half. Are you over or under that? Uh, I am right around four. Yeah, 4.5. Okay. So, yeah. Right in line. It's but you, you, you said 20 and a half touchdowns for the Falcons. So you're projecting yeah. a, an improvement over last year when, when they had 20 even. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess a <laughs> slight improvement. I mean, 20 touchdowns in 17 games is yeah, pretty bad. Not great. So. Not great. <laughs> 20 um, and a half isn't good either. I, I, you know, the more I think about this and, and kind of crunch the numbers, I, I do think Pitts needs to be in that, in that top tier. Um, the top two, like, uh, yeah, yeah, because so number three, but like very yeah, close to like that. Oh, he's okay. in that tier instead of the uh, because the thing is, this guy had over a thousand yards as a rookie tight end, he's probably a better perimeter receiver than most, like, th- than even a handful of number one outside receivers in the league already, <laughs> and everyone else on the roster can't separate so like he's gonna get a ton of double teams yes but i mean that's not gonna that's not anything different from last year now probably yes a little downgrading quarterback but this is year two for a guy that put up a thousand yards as a rookie at a position where people never do that so like he could like this could be his this could just be a monster year for him and like he i just look at it at the end of the day he's not competing with anyone else for targets in the way that Waller has, you know, Adams and, and Renfro who can, you know, separate well and kind of demand high targets per route run. And Kittle, is, as far as we know, is still competing with Debo Samuel on what could be a very low volume offense uh, run running uh, passing wise. I mean, if Trey Lance is a starter. So, uh, I, you know, I think Pitts, even if he doesn't give you the tough touchdown regression, I mean, a thousand yards as a rookie, I think he's only going to go up from there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a monster year uh, from Kyle Pitts. Like, just I think the Drake London, like at, at first I was thinking, you know, Drake London Falcons great landing spot, but like I think the reason they got Drake London is because they they know there's going to be a lot of plays where Kyle Pitts is double teamed, and then mm. you know just throw to Drake London even if he's covered. But like I don't think Drake London is affecting Pitts the way like a Garrett Wilson or somebody that could get open more would have affected Kyle Pitts, which, which the other tight ends are competing with for their number one receivers. Yeah. And uh, Kyle Pitts is a generational talent. So I can't fault you for, you know, buying at tight end three, he probably won't bust really at that. So yeah. Yeah. Just get him. Well, his, I mean, he's only going to go up the next few seasons. 
And his rookie season was, we, you know, we joke about the one touchdown. Everything else is phenomenal. Um, so he's only going to get better, which is scary. And the touchdown should come. Uh, just I just because we can't project them for A-plus touchdowns doesn't mean you shouldn't take a number three. So, yeah, I love the call. All right. Uh, let's talk about London now. Like, what are your what's your kind of outlook on him as a prospect, I guess, because the whole thing is he's obviously talented. You know, you don't go as the first wide receiver off the board when you're not talented. But I mean, not being able to separate, which pretty much everyone who's watched him agrees on. And, and I mean, I I certainly see like he's not, he's just not, he doesn't look like he's going to be that guy at the NFL level. Mm. Um, I mean, how do you think that that hinders him, uh, especially in this kind of offense where it's not like they have an amazing quarterback or they're going to have like super high volume? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that will hinder him some, but uh, like you've mentioned, the the landing spot is great because he's immediately going to be their wide receiver one on day one. If, if you consider Calipitz a tight end. Um, so he should be able to command a high target share just because of that fact. Um, but, you know, he's been compared to, you know, like Mike Evans. So I think he does have that sort of upside to be a 10 plus touchdown kind of guy going forward, but not this season. Like I said, I'm only projecting 20 and a half touchdowns. So I think that's where his upside is going to come um, because like you said, Kyle Pitts is going to be the target hog in this offense. So the separate separation issues could prevent London from, you know, being a consistent wide receiver for. So he's, his ADP is a little bit too high. I already mentioned, I'd rather take Olave in this range. Um, I, I think London does have a high floor, but I think his ceiling is a bit capped because I don't think that the touchdowns are going to be there as a rookie. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Th- these separation issues could hurt him in the NFL. We, we really haven't seen guys with separation issues really thrive as, as a rookie. So um, I, I'm probably staying away, but I do like the landing spot. Uh, because he will be their wide receiver one on day one. Yeah, it's almost kind of unfortunate. Like I, I yeah. just wish a different wide receiver had landed here. I think it would have made it a lot more interesting. Like, it, like. Yeah, I thought for I, long, I thought Garrett Wilson was going there yeah. for the longest time. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there's a really low floor with London. Even you know, and he has kind of snuck into that late wide receiver three, early wide receiver four range. Um, I, I mean, I think the floor is somebody like. Laquan Treadwell, like just a complete bust. Ouch. I mean, no, you know, that's, that's the floor. That's a worst case scenario. Until he resurfaces with an Urban Meyer coach. Right. Five five years later. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's, that's the floor. It's not, that's not the the median outcome is he's probably somewhere, you know, between Mike Evans and Treadwell, just like a solid big receiver but yeah you've changed your stance on him quite a bit which you should in this this time of the season it's it's definitely okay to do that but that a lot does a lot of that have to do with just being super bullish on Kyle Pitts as well yeah I mean the the more I look into this offense the more I go back and watch the film the more I kind of look at the numbers and kind of look at the potential range of outcomes for a player like Drake London with a quarterback like Marcus Mariota (laughs) and then compare it to like Kyle Pitts a guy who, you know, put up a thousand yards as a rookie in a less than ideal situation. I, I just think, I mean, I just think like, yes, Drake London, you know, when we, when we, we're talking post draft, we're just kind of saying, okay, whose stock goes up, whose stock goes down. Like London's stock definitely went up because he could have landed yeah. on a team like the Jets and yeah. like not even been guaranteed to start um, <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So his stock went up, but like, like I said, the floor for guys who can't separate is just so much lower. 
I mean, Nikhil Harry, you know, like there's so many guys <laughs> yeah. come to mind that were t- like, there were high hopes for that were taken on day one or day two. Uh, you know what I mean? And it's just like, that's, that's the, that's the reality of the situation. It's not like, and Matt Ryan would have made me probably feel a little better about London. Cause Matt Ryan, True. he's going to put the ball where he needs to like Marcus Mariota. I don't know if I trust him to get it to anyone, but the number one target. And that's going to be pits. Like, we know that for a fact. So um yeah it's just it's just not a great situation i mean the one thing though is you know they it can't get much worse behind drake london you have <laughs> talk about not separating you have brian edwards who is actually i think a better separator than london and has a little more juice ouch but it, he's still that's, you know it's not yeah. it's not, and that's and he's a career 11 percent target per route run 1.2 yards per route run guy is brian edwards so uh yeah he might have one game where he goes like four for 86 and a touchdown uh i guess <laughs> that's, <laughs> so I think that's about that's that's about it um what, what do you think of patterson uh i think that's the mm. the next or the other kind of most fantasy relevant question because he's going as rb32 at fantasy pros half ppr adp his first 11 games 9.6 carries for 44 yards and 0.36 touchdowns on the ground. And then, he, and then four catches on 5.2 targets, 47 yards and 0.45 touchdowns through the air. So he was averaging um, about 0.8 touchdowns and over 90 yards per game from scrimmage in his first 11. And then the last five, he, he dips to, to 32 yards per game um, uh, on, you know, a little, little less of a workload, but, you know, still getting double digit touches, the efficiency went way down. Yeah, he he's really tricky to project. Uh, first of all, it's it's just so rare for a running back to finally become fancy relevant in their ninth season. Like that's unheard of. So while he is 31, I, I think you know, he doesn't have that much tread on his tires. So I'm not treating him like a typical 31-year-old. He's more of a scheme player. And it finally took him his fifth team uh, to go to the Falcons to finally find the scheme that works for him. Uh, but like you said, his his usage went way down in the final few weeks. I don't know if it had to do with his sprained ankle in week eight. He, he played through it, so maybe that had something to do it do with it. But they rarely gave him over you know forty five percent of the carry share. Um, he typically only ran a uh, you know forty to forty five percent routes run rate, so he had to be extremely efficient. So even if we expect a similar role this year, you know I'm projecting him you know closer to RB twenty six. And this, you know, running back depth chart is still very weak. Um, so he should be the guy on day one. And he's typically a guy that I would be fading the next season because his ADP would be out of control. But at running back 32, that's way past the frozen pond here. Now we're drafting backup running backs. Like, I kind of like him at RB32 just because we did see his upside in this offense early last season. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm there. I think I have to... I have to hear like a lot of good, nice puff pieces out of training camp on this guy. Cause like, I I think part of it was that defense has finally just started to figure it out. I mean, part of his True. appeal, I think was that nobody knew that like how they were going to use him early in, last year. Like, you know, defenses just were not ready for it. And then they, they even kind of switched it up a little bit. Um, you know, he's used as a receiver and runner and he would do both in the same game and kind of motion and, and then over the last few weeks, yeah, he got a little banged up. And but they also, I think, figured him out. And like those, that could like he he's never had this kind of usage before. So like him yeah. getting banged up, 
you know, especially as an age 31 player, I think the odds of him getting banged up are pretty high. So I think this, I think it might've been a flash in the pan. Now, if he's like just running away with the starting job and in camp and all that stuff, good stuff, then yeah, I think RB 32 is a fair gamble, but I just, I don't, I don't think it was any, I think it was ominous. I guess I'll say that he dropped off that much down the stretch mm, yeah. after an injury and just, you know, after there was a bunch of tape. So yeah. And he, he banked on touchdown production quite a bit, which is not good, you know, in this offense. Uh, so he scored six rushing touchdowns, five receiving touchdowns. So he, he should see some regression there. I'm projecting him closer to seven total touchdowns and I still get him at RB uh, 26. How many, how many projected touchdowns total do you have from this year? Uh, Cause those hypothetically, those are going to be going to, you know, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Cause they, you know, they're probably due. Yeah, to, about, do you have yeah. seven as well? Round six, seven, six, six, six. Okay. Yeah. yeah I just want to be clear that I'm factoring. Yeah. I just want to be clear. I'm factoring in touchdown regression. I still kind of like him at the uh, RB 32 range. Mm-hmm. Just, just because in that range, you're, you're taking backs that probably need an injury to hit value. Yeah, I mean, another one of my concerns with Patterson is that the receiving depth chart is so bare that they might have to use him at receiver more, which I think hurts his value as a running back because you want him running. Like, as a receiver, he's, you know, he's not, he's nothing special, especially if he's like a true wide receiver. So I I liked what I saw out of him, believe me. Um, You know, we were both kind of on him early in the year, and and I think that paid off for a lot of people. But, um, yeah, I got to hear how he's doing in in camp because I, I didn't like how. I didn't like how that season ended. Um, Tyler Algier is is here as, as is Damian Williams, and from what I'm hearing, they Algier actually has a decent chance to start in that Mike Davis role. He's not the same kind of player, but this yeah. is Arthur Smith who had Derrick Henry and kind of had that committee going on early in Henry's career. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you could have kind of Williams is more of the pass catching back to where it's not exactly like Williams is almost like more of the Cordero Patterson, and then Algier is. I don't know, the, like, I don't know how you would, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, these guys could also factor in in the backfield. Um, Algier is going around RB59. Williams is usually in the 70s. Um, do you see any value in either of these guys? Yeah, I think Algier probably has the most upside because like you said, he could be sort of the workhorse back, the Mike Davis roles, role. So we're, we're going to be projecting him for what, 2.5 yards per carry in that role? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> again, he's the guy, he's a guy that, would need a good offense to set him up for easy goal line scores. And this is not that offense. So that's why his upside is pretty limited. Um, can't really bank on him scoring many touchdowns, but this depth chart is wide open. So even though he's a fifth round pick, uh, I think he does have a chance to be starting in that Mike Davis role. But Mike Davis was so bad last year that, yeah. um, you know, that that's kind of why Cordero Patterson broke out. So they probably do want Algier. Uh, to hit this year so they'll probably give him every chance to succeed and yeah like you said Damian Williams he's more of a quarter Patterson uh, backup there's no real reason to mix him in when Patterson's healthy so he'd be a guy to kind of monitor if Patterson were to miss time yeah uh, and the O-line should be a little bit better um, this year Jalen Mayfield is still a question mark um, but you know Hennessy Winstrom on the interior both ranked top seven uh, yep. in PFF Matthews is pretty good and McGarry is like serviceable at right tackle. So Mayfield, they really have one hole uh, in the, on the interior that they, they need to fix up, but it could be a little better, but defense is still going to be able to kind of stack the box, I think against this, this team. But um, yeah, if I had to choose a sleeper, I guess it would be, 
I guess it would be Algier at this point. Um, Pat, I guess you're going to go Patterson. I guess. I mean, I, in, at that point in the draft, I'm probably targeting Kareem Hunt uh, way more than Patterson. But again, if Patterson falls to the you know running back 35 range, and you're looking at you know Michael Carter, uh, Tony Pollard, who obviously has insane upside, but he probably needs more things to happen. I, I just think Patterson is probably the biggest sleeper in this offense because there isn't much here. Yeah. Uh, bust. Uh, I'd probably go London just because, yeah. I, like you said, he's going a little bit too high. And I just, the floor of his type of prospect is just lower than the floor of other types of prospects that usually go in that range. Yeah. I'm with you there. I just, the Falcons only really have three fantasy relevant players and London is the toughest sell at his current ADP because it is closer to his ceiling. So um, I, I do like the talent. I love the landing spot for London, but he is certainly, uh, you know, my, my favorite bust, if you would call it that for the Falcons. All right. That is going to do it for the NFC South. Again, make sure you give us a review on Apple and uh, we will shout out, uh, pick some review winners to get free year long action network pro subscriptions, uh, which gets you our rankings and all that good stuff. And you can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles and the free award-winning action network app. Uh, we'll be back next week with the AFC North. So stay tuned and be sure to check out our episodes that have already dropped on the AFC West, NFC West, AFC South. All right. Until next time, let's get this money.